0: Thank you to our generous underwriters here on Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Wednesday, July 20th, we are studying Psalm 91. The Lord is the shelter for those who trust him. He sends his holy angels to protect and to deliver his people. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Andrew Jago. Pastor Jago serves at Bethany Lutheran Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Pastor Jago, welcome back to Sharp Ryan.
1: Thank you for having me. Good to be here. It
0: is good to have you back. So as we get started, let's talk a little context. There's no superscription on Psalm 91. Just jump right into the first verse. What should we know as we prepare to look at this psalm?
1: The psalms all have such a wide range of emotion, and there's so many different forms that I think can help instruct us in our prayers and how we talk to God. And in this psalm in particular, I think that the one theme that perhaps goes all the way through is the theme of faith where do we put our trust where do we put our faith and we're going to explore that in in so many different images here
0: all right so let's take a look this is psalm 91 he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will abide in the shadow of the almighty i will say to the lord my refuge and my fortress my god in whom i trust for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That is Psalm 91. So Pastor Jago, as the Psalm gets going, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I think we have two 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 names for God there that at least in our journey through several Psalms here on the Sharper, I don't know that we've encountered these. We've got the Most High and the Almighty. Help us to understand what's being communicated by God, about God by those two names.
1: Well, I'll try. And it's good to, uh, for listeners and for folks who are reading the Psalms on their own to line up those things that occur. We call it parallelism, You know, things that just line up parallel, like the names of God, like different actions, different verbs, and uh, we'll we'll get into that a little bit, uh, especially the verb part when we uh, do some of the more uh, some of the verses later on. But this one, the first name for God, the Most High, um, I think we I, I think the first time we encounter that is in Genesis, uh, where Melchizedek. Uh, <laughs> and if I say that out loud, people say "Bless you." Um, <laughs> Melchizedek is called the priest of the Most High God. There's there's just no in the I, I guess here in the, the the ancient Near East you're dealing with lots of people around who have uh pantheons, different gods in their pantheon. And um and this I this was a, a signal perhaps to those that did not know uh the god of the Hebrews that this is the we're talking about the one who's in charge of everything. <laughs> the one there is no higher office. If you were, oh, who was that president? I think it was Truman who had the the sign on his desk. The buck stops here right? Hmm. Um, yeah. So this is there, there is no higher that you can go than here the Most High God. Hmm. The second name is the El Shaddai. Now here that, that is that does occur in a variety of different Old Testament books um, and, and in some popular songs too, <laughs> for that matter. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a, 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 it's a, the, the, the Lord who is the Almighty, and that's, a, you know, it's related to the uh, the mountains, like Mount Zion. Mm. Um, and it's, it, it, I guess, we've, again, in Genesis, when we encounter it, it's uh, in a place where uh, you're by Mount Moriah and uh, the near sacrifice of Isaac by at the hands of his father Abraham. Uh, so the Lord who is the Almighty, uh, the one, and that's setting us up for the rest of the psalm to know this is the one who we can trust, as it says in verse two.
0: Yeah, I mean, both of these titles, I think, are, are very appropriate, given where this psalm is going to take us. And even within just the first verse, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the parallelism, mm. because the, I, we kind of skipped over toward the end of the verses, but there's parallelism throughout. You know, he who dwells is parallel to the abiding in the second part. And then you've got shelter and shadow are mm-hmm. both parallel, and then most high and almighty. But I, I think, again, these these two names for God fit very well with that imagery of dwelling or abiding in a shelter or a shadow. What better dwelling place is there than the shelter or the shadow of the, the biggest God, the most mighty God that there is? That really sets the tone.
1: It does. And then the rest of the psalm really unpacks that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So so and then I mean and it's quite striking again how how the psalm then moves in verse 2. And this is going to be one thing throughout the psalm there's going to be need to occasionally figure out who's talking to whom. Right. In the first verse you've got the psalmist making a declaration about God, but then it it turns where the psalmist now speaks to God in verse 2.
1: Yeah, I will say my refuge and my fortress. And I I see that in the context of leading worship yeah you know uh, uh, among you know david's time you know where were using the psalms in in worship and maybe that's a call to the congregation to to maybe join in on the next verse and sing about all these thanksgiving's about who the almighty and who the most high is
0: hmm. well and even if if we keep going with sort of the idea of parallelism from verse 1 into verse 2 starting particularly with the names of god you know you've got most high and almighty which are a bit more generic into verse two as now the psalmist starts to speak to this most high and almighty he begins to use more personal names he uses actually the name yahweh in the first half Mm -hmm. and then he calls yahweh my god i mean this it's it's moving from this big mighty god who's very powerful to now he's he's this one in particular. and in fact, he's he's my God.
1: Ah, that's a good catch. It gets very personal then. Uh, and again, the leader of the congregation, this is my God, my refuge. You can trust him. Hmm. So talk
0: about how now these these verses, as they do become more personal about dwelling and abiding here to to my God, my my refuge, my fortress. How is this pointing us toward Jesus in the way that he speaks in the New Testament?
1: Jesus gets right up uh, and personal with God, Abba, uh, Daddy. <laughs> you know, this is this is our Father who we uh, can trust in all things. And I just I think of the Lord's Prayer as as the model He gave to the disciples uh, that everything in your life, whether it's daily bread, forgiveness, trying to you know, being delivered and protected from evil. Well, Psalm ninety one is all about that. Um, you know, and and how personal that connection is. Mm,
0: yeah, so so very personal connection here. What is what does it mean to to? I mean, the idea of dwelling and abiding in the first verse, and then with the Lord being the refuge and the fortress. What does that mean for us to dwell or to abide in? In this protection.
1: Well, for looking at the Old Testament, I would say that is related to the idea of tabernacling. You know, where God Mm. dwells with His people, His presence is there, in the mm, holy smoke, if you will, uh, (laughs) that 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 (laughs) Moses sees in the in the tabernacle whenever God is there, um, and the and in the voice and everything that that you can hear there, and that translate that also carries over to Solomon in the temple. Uh, The presence of God with his people through all their wanderings, and then when they settle in Jerusalem, that is just crucial to knowing and understanding. And then they're surrounded by enemies. And so God's deliverance, his his protection, uh, again, when they're traveling with the Ark of the Covenant being the symbol of his presence and his protection, and then also when they're in Jerusalem, the walls of Mount Zion protecting them uh that is uh, that that's that's the 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 physical things that are in front of god's people are are echoes they're clues as to who the, that is behind them and above them and around them who's always going to protect them whose everlasting arms are always around them
0: hmm. so how does that old testament context carry forward into the new testament
1: well jesus Comes, dwells among us. John is all using that word tabernacle. Uh, the, his presence is, is right there uh, when he comes to this earth. Um, and then he doesn't leave us as orphans. When he goes into heaven, he leaves the meal. Uh, the presence is there in the bread and in the wine. Uh, he leaves the word, the testimony that they're supposed to take out into the world. Um, and when the early apostolic community gathers together, it's around those things: the word, the sacrament, uh, the prayer, the fellowship that they have, and Jesus is right there amongst them.
0: So to to dwell in the shelter of the Most High, the shadow of the Almighty. These are, I mean, that language of of dwelling, abiding, living. We're talking about the presence of God, the tabernacle. That's now Jesus, and living in Him. This is language that think, at least in my own mind, that shows up a lot in the Gospel of John.
1: Absolutely, yes. So can you
0: give us some of those examples?
1: Well, the first right in the first chapter, uh, and the and he the the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh so here Jesus is 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 dwelling among us. But then I think all the I am statements that Jesus makes all throughout the gospel, I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. I mean you could probably line those up. I didn't think of that when I was looking at the psalm before the program, but you could maybe line up some of those I am statements right here with Psalm 91.
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right. There's there's tons of connections that we could make. What about the the imagery of these first two verses? We've you know you've got the shelter, the shadow, which then is a refuge and a fortress. What what's being communicated in these images?
1: Well, first the 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 hiding of you know being protected because you're hidden from your enemies, but the refuge and fortress, the, the even if they attack, they're not going to get close to you. Um, we did a series last year in our church on King David, and and I can say you know he was always, it seems when when he left the house of Saul, always surrounded. You know he was in the land of the Philistines he's you know he's running away from Saul and his armies it seemed like he was always surrounded but he always had the sense that God was right there right by his side and no matter what happened well God had his back
0: hmm. yeah okay so we've got all these these wonderful images some of these we've seen in the Psalms, elsewhere, fortress language, refuge language, all of it is my God in whom I trust. And there's that that theme that you suggested that goes throughout the Psalm, Mm. trusting in my God as the place of safety. Now, verse two, as we said, this is now the Psalmist speaking to the Lord, then the Psalmist takes a step back again and says what he will do. He speaks about God. And now we get to some of the deliverance language. What Help us with some of the, the language here. It says, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Those are not words that show up in at least, not in my everyday English. What's being talked about here?
1: Well, you know, fouling, you go out uh, to, I guess, a, a minute, uh, there's places where people still go duck hunting, you know, and, uh, okay. but they would normally use a gun. And uh, so we, we, we may not think of a snare, something that you would set up to, to get the feet of a bird that came into a trap. Uh, but I think the idea here is it's sudden. It's unexpected. Mm-hmm. You you don't know where you're stepping, and then suddenly your foot steps in a trap, and you're caught. Uh, the deadly pestilence, boy, that hits a little too close to home, mm-hmm. <laughs> given recent news. Uh, but yeah. it parallels well with the Fowler's snare because it it it, it also it gives us that powerlessness. You know, it's something that just happens to you. You can't control when you get sick, usually. Although I have mm-hmm. to say that washing my, my hands frequently and, and doing some of those other things, I've been pretty healthy lately. I don't know about you, but uh, <laughs> but, but, but still, you don't know. You, you can't control if one of your kids is going to cough in your face, right? right. Uh, or, or those germs will be around there somewhere. So uh, that, that just comes up very suddenly, very unexpectedly. You, you don't see it. So I think that it's expressing that kind of oh, danger, yes. that kind of evil around you.
0: Okay, so so the both the aspect of the suddenness mm-hmm. with the fowler the snare of the fowler and the deadly pestilence, and then also the unseen nature of both of these. These are, are I mean, you know, the fowler snare is meant to be hidden. Pestilence you cannot see that coming, but again, the Lord is the one who delivers from both of those things. The method of the Lord's deliverance, or the protection, I suppose, is is seen particularly in verse four. What's the what's the imagery that we see, particularly with the pinions and the wings?
1: Yes, those are those are the wings of a bird. You'll find refuge. So we think of, well Jesus says to when he's outside of Jerusalem, how I long to gather you like a hand would gather her chicks. It's a wonderful image of you see a little chick hiding out underneath the the wings um we have a uh in the national arboreum here in the dc area you can get on the eagle cam and uh see a mom and dad eagle raising their young and you know it, that that's a much more intimidating image perhaps than the hen <laughs> you see the the, the sharpness <laughs> of the the eagle's beak and the and the talons that are there anybody messes with that chick and they're going to get Pretty messed up, I think. So, um, so that I I see our Lord maybe as as that kind of (laughs) image. You you're you're hiding behind someone who's going to, or 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 our Lord who's going to really protect you. Now, when I was looking at this, it's interesting. Martin Luther wasn't afraid of an allegory from time to time, uh, even though he kind of even he criticized some of the earlier. Uh, uh, church commentators on on allegories when they were interpreting scriptures, but he wasn't opposed to doing that himself once in a while and uh, and so he saw he said okay there's two wings, and that made him think of the Bible. He says, Surely two wings are the two testaments by which we are protected, so that we do not go astray on our own opinion and fall prey to other predator birds.' because uh, you think of all the the false uh, truths and philosophies that are out there that people can get snared in, and where do we have God's protection? It's in His Word. Uh, that's where it's promised. That's where we know and understand and see Jesus, and that's what instructs our faith, creates and instructs that faith by the power of God's Holy Spirit. So, well, I mean, you don't have to agree with Luther. Uh, these psalms are meant to— be very poetic. So we can all connect in different ways to our own imagination, what we see in our imagination and our own experience. And I'd be interested in what the listeners would think when they think of God's wings and hiding under God's wings. Mm. But I really, I latched on to Luther's image because that resonated very much with me. Yeah, I, I think he's,
0: he's onto something, and, and whether or not the image, particularly in Psalm 91, is meant to convey the Word of God, I think he's, he's right biblically, that the Word of God is our defense and our protection. You think about Paul's language concerning the, the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6, and there the Word is the sword of the Spirit, so that you know, all, of, all of God's gifts are meant as a protection. And so, yeah, I mean, I think to say, you know the two wings, two testaments, the Word of God, that is the the way that the Lord protects us is a is certainly a valid way of looking at psalm ninety one when when I think of of wings in the Old Testament, and even when it comes to psalm ninety one in particular, I, I wonder if maybe there's some angelic imagery going on here, especially oh. since that shows up particularly in verse eleven. I, that's maybe something else
1: well possibly i mean another connection could be the cherubim that are pictured on the ark of the covenant right
0: right yeah i mean the the way that the wings are they're very much overshadowing you know the the lord sits enthroned upon the cherubim per, perhaps some some of that language as well so we've got okay so we've got the the wing language the the bird language and then we do see a bit of a shift at the end of verse 4 uh suddenly we've got a shield and a buckler now we're we've got a little more military imagery here,
1: yeah, we go from something that's a very gentle image um, well unless you you're picturing unless the you're eagles eagle. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but and then and then and then you have the shield and um well this is this was written before the days of the Roman Empire, where you had those impressive uh shields that covered the whole body and could be put together in tortoise formation, you know to uh, the, the, when when there is a flurry a cloud of arrows coming at you, you and your cohort could line up side by side, and the and the arrows bounce mm-hmm. off you. I think Paul had that image in mind when he says, "Put on the full armor of God." Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. yeah, it is interesting. I think that the Psalms, like I say, try to encompass of they're trying to get in your head. <laughs> so yeah. so if maybe the 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 image of a wing is a little too gentle for you, well, we're gonna shift to this image. So uh, God is going to hit everybody where they are.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the way that the, the Psalms use imagery is meant to get in your head so that mm. you have these pictures in your mind so that, you know, when you go look at the eagle cam and you see <laughs> the eagles there protecting their young, you would be reminded of the reality that God gives you in Psalm 91. I mean, this that's the beauty of, of the Psalms, I think, in particular. Here we've got military imagery as well. As, as the psalmist continues then, he, he mentions in the next two verses, and here we have another example of, of parallelism mm. that continues on for a little while, he mentions several of the dangers that the Lord is going to protect from. So what do, what do we see in verses 5 and 6? How does the psalm progress?
1: Yeah, he's, he's going to the congregation, he's pointing at them, you, <laughs> you yeah. do not need to fear. What don't you need to fear? You don't need to fear the terror, the arrow, the pestilence, and the destruction, and I do see a, a kind of progression here. Uh, terror at night, uh, to me, that's a little spiritual. It's like a, you know, when you wake up and you don't know what's out there, um, and you you think you see something, it may be nothing. Uh, it might be a nightmare that woke you up. Uh, it could be supernatural, even. Uh, you know, thinking uh, uh, of uh, you know the, of, of the way the devil sneaks in fears and uh, tries to get you to doubt. Uh, and fear uh, and and not ha- and, 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 and be afraid and not have faith. Um, so yeah, it's hard, to, it's hard to see in the dark. There's scripture verses that would compare that to uh, as a sudden attack at night, you know, where you can't see the enemy. Uh, so that would also, but the terror would be like, you know, the fear. It's like overcoming your fear. Well, then the arrow—that's uh, something that uh, maybe can be seen, but it—it's just very, it's a very sudden thing and very fast. Um, <laughs> recently, I was in a conversation with someone who was in Vietnam, and he told me that when his we first combat, he was he saw there uh, first time that his company took fire. There was just a zing, zing mm. going by his ears. He had no idea what it was until uh with with a string of ex, you know, expletives. You know, they they were telling him to get down and uh, uh sergeant told him to get down cuz they'd take cover those were bullets flying past his head and he just you know it was so fast and so sudden uh just did not know that i can't even imagine the fear you would have to overcome then uh to to take the next step uh the next steps the next action in combat um, the pestilence <laughs> again—that hits home. Uh, so you know, we, all of our churches have maybe been touched by the the global pandemic that that has happened and buried uh, folks that are a part of our family or know people who have. Um, at least with the terror, the arrow—you <laughs> may, you, you may. Well, you may have uh, at night trouble seeing, but you could—you know—you're having some perception that something is there. Uh, but then you think of a virus or a bacteria. You can't you can't see it coming, and there's no way to to protect against that. Well, I mean, there are some ways, but, you know, that you, if it's out for you, you cannot see it coming. And that's probably the—so the, 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 you see an escalation of fear here, terror at night, arrow coming by you, little germ that can get in your system. And then finally, the destruction. Now, I thought that was a real general— Kind of word, and I'm, you know, I wish my Hebrew was a little better because I still wasn't able to track down exactly. So but this is what I found: the the Hebrew word is just used a few times. Not there's like <laughs> the other thing I found though in the Old Testament, there are a lot of different Hebrew words for the for destruction and bad, <laughs> like bad things happening to you. Right. Um, <laughs> harem is probably the 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 most common one, like a Holocaust. You know, this is de, this is devoted yeah. to the Lord. Uh, it all must be destroyed. And then uh, Keteb is, is not as common, but it's used a couple of times. It's one time used in Isaiah to signify a natural disaster, a coming storm, a destroying tempest is the specific phrase that's there. But then the other one I thought was fascinating, the other connection was in Hosea. And this, is, this one Paul quotes in 1 Corinthians, "'Where, O death, is your sting?' And the word "katab," the same word used for destruction here, is, is the sting of death. Very interesting. I have no idea what that means. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. But
0: i I think you're I think you're right to see a progression. And i I wonder, I, I wonder if there's something to with with destruction being at the end. Yeah. That the the destruction is the one that, when you look at it nobody's going to escape from this one yeah so the the terror at night being unseen you know maybe i can avoid it even you know because it's just kind of out there it's unseen unknown it comes suddenly but but maybe i can get away from it the arrow you know up you know arrows are going to fly every which way but they're going to hit certain places and not other places Mm. you know pestilence too and again with as you said it hits close to home it (laughs) it has been one of those things like one person can get really really sick another person doesn't seem to have any symptoms at all yeah. uh, you know and and one person dies one person lives so maybe you get away but then you've got this destruction and it's wasting at noonday and I think it'll this will carry us into the next verses mm. everything around you is just it's wasted away there's destruction everywhere how in the world could you possibly escape from this well the Lord is a refuge even from from that greatest destruction maybe okay. maybe that's I don't know, that, that might be part of the progression.
1: Yeah, I think so. You know, the, the images that came to mind looking at those other verses were, you know, a, a tornado suddenly appearing yeah. and you don't have enough time to get down into the basement. Uh, you know, you have uh or, or, or like you said, you know, there's a there's a bomb dropping, you know, and that's yeah and it's right on top of you. You know, the Lord will even protect you at that noon. You know, it's noon it'd be like the, the sun right above you, you know. The Lord will protect you, even when it's right on top of you.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's the the protection of the Lord. We're seeing it here in Psalm ninety-one. We need to take a short break, but we'll be right back. You're listening to Sharper Iron. We're talking Psalm ninety-one with Pastor Andrew Jago. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Wednesday, July 20th. We are studying Psalm 91 with Pastor Andrew Jago. He serves at Bethany Lutheran Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Pastor Jago, prior to the break, we were talking about the progression in verses five through six, the terror, the arrow, the pestilence to the destruction that wastes at noonday, this seemingly inescapable destruction. The Lord will protect you from that. I, I think that carries us forward into the imagery of verse seven, which is pretty striking. All these people may die around you but you who trust in the Lord, you will be safe.
1: Yeah. My reaction to that is, okay. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's it. That's good news, I think. But yeah, it's, it's a horrible, horrible scene that comes in your imagination. Um, And then to couple that with verse eight, you will see the recompense of the wicked. That really makes you not want to be among the wicked.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. I mean, so, and that, that, That last part of of verse eight makes me wonder. I I don't know the the thousand and the ten thousand to fall. Are these are these your own? Like, are you seeing? Even though the rest of your own army dies, you will be okay. Or is that? Or the thousand and ten thousand? Even if all the enemy is destroyed your your side will be say I don't know. That yeah. was one thought. I wasn't sure how to answer that. I'm not sure. Well,
1: me either. And, and I have an image that comes to my mind, but it may be different. And I think listeners should, you know, this is poetry. So what connects to your experiences? What connects to your imagination? Um, and as long as we're, we're grounded on our faith in the Word of God, that we can maybe come up with different things, and that's okay. The, the image that came to my mind where the Assyrian army is surrounding Jerusalem. Uh, yeah. In the days of Hezekiah, and there's there's a thousand, and then ten thousand. That you know, I can't imagine what it was like at dawn to come out and see this army laid to waste around Mount Zion. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and that, the reason the reason I had the those similar
0: images where the thousand and ten thousand that are lying dead are the enemies mm-hmm. is is because of texts like that, and and also like Psalm forty six, mm. which I, I think the picture of Psalm forty six is that you're there in God as a refuge again. And, and there's that verse that says, come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. I think it was Pastor Brian Wolffield who put this image in my head, that the idea is that you're you're looking out from the fortress and you see that the battle has yeah. been won. The enemies have been defeated. But and, and this is where I think you can connect it to Psalm 91 is, but you weren't the one that, that did that. Yeah. <laughs> that was the Lord's doing. He defeated the enemies and now you get to look and see how he won the victory, and that victory actually belongs to you because he gave it to you.
1: Ah, that's good. I would like to see that we're on the same Holy Spirit wavelength there. <laughs> well, and, and that's kind of
0: at least that's the way I'm seeing. No, I am too, verse, yeah. or chapter ninety. Oh, goodness, Psalm ninety-one verses seven <laughs> to eight. I I think that's kind of the at least the way I'm picturing that. Yeah. Now, but here's here's maybe the how do we take that in? You know, in our context, we don't we don't have a ton of that experience of seeing you know enemy armies dead around us. You yeah. mentioned the conversation you had recently with, with someone who served in Vietnam. Right. There are some who have that experience, but for us without that Everyday experience. You know, how do we take this talk of, of enemies lying wasted before us? How does that apply to us as Christians? Well,
1: I think whatever situation we find ourselves, whether it's a global pandemic or, you know, there's, there's, there's other kinds of dangers and stresses that are out there that are present. And uh, Luther's advice, whether one may flee from a deadly plague, uh, was to stand on faith, uh, not on fear. Uh, and as we're going to see later, uh, not on foolishness either. <laughs> so, right. uh, but uh, but to, but to stand firmly on faith, and then you you may see all around you spiritually uh, people going this way and that way, and not knowing. But they, why are you so grounded? What what's wrong with you? Why aren't you afraid? Uh, and then you you may maybe have a moment to testify. Uh, it's because my. I am fr- I am scared out of my mind, but but I know the Lord is here and He has a plan, and we're going to be moving forward with us in His everlasting arms. I I, I believe um uh and on this program you're covering the the book of Acts or you covered the book of Acts and Paul on the and the ship that was caught in the storm that was you know to those that didn't know God uh, that was His moment to testify. God has said to me. Uh, that we're all going to get through this, you know, and this is what we're going to do. And, uh, what a powerful thing that was when they probably, you know, got back to Rome and those, uh, that Centurion was able to say, wow, (laughs) you know, I don't know what you got, but I want some of that.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I mean, with, with Paul there, you know, he's got that specific promise that everyone on the ship is going to make it through safely. You can think of other examples though, where there's maybe not a specific promise. Where, where there is, you know, there's still that calm fearlessness or confidence perhaps because of, because of promises like this, which ultimately go to the promise of the resurrection of the dead. The, the one that comes to my mind from the book of Acts, since it is in recent memory, is in Acts chapter 12, where uh, King Herod has the apostle James mm-hmm. beheaded and he sees how popular it is. So let's try that again with Peter and, and Peter's in prison. And he doesn't know what's going to happen. He knows that the next day his execution has been set, but he's sleeping peacefully mm. because because he knows that he is safe in the Lord's everlasting arms and that even if he should die, he has the promise of resurrection. Now, of course, the Lord has in mind to set Peter free, as we see, and it's, it's a marvelous account, mm-hmm. but even Peter not knowing that specifically is going to happen he has hope in the resurrection, which I think is—I mean, we should—we should mention that here in Psalm ninety-one, especially too, because there are times—and you—you made mention of it—Christians you know, died mm. in in plagues. Does that mean that God has failed to keep His promise?
1: No, He is going to keep the promise in the resurrection. Right. He doesn't promise that we will avoid the valley of the shadow of death. That's a different right. psalm, uh, but it, but we will get through it. That's his right. rod and his staff will comfort us. Yeah,
0: that's right. That's right. The promise is to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah. That's that's a great connection. Yeah. So into, into verses 9 and 10. Now, here again, he. this is the psalmist speaking to the listener. You have made the Lord your dwelling place. Again, we've got this language repeated. You've got the dwelling, the refuge, the Most High again no evil will befall you no plague come near your tent what is the the psalmist saying in these verses
1: well he's not saying go ahead and you know don't be afraid of uh uh you know just just go out there and do what you want and and uh you know if if you see a uh a sign that says warning radiation contamination you know you avoid it you don't go into that use your common sense so that's not what it's saying (laughs) it's uh it's saying that uh, that that no evil, you know, it's the same thing. We pray in the Lord's prayer, "Deliver us mm. from evil." Uh, so there's all manner of of things that are that, that that are attacking us: the devil, the world, our sinful flesh, and we go into battle with confidence. Uh, not again, not that we are not you know that absolutely nothing will happen to us physically, but spiritually, we are always in the lord's hands he's already defeated those enemies and already given us the victory and that's mm. certainly I think the image that comes through very clear in the psalm because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. And then you connect back to those 10,000 around you, to uh, the terror, the fear, you know, and the arrows and everything else that has, you've been delivered from. And, you yeah, I guess in the Bible, there's, there, it, there's, there's physical things that happen where people's enemies are all around them and, uh, and the spiritual things that happen. And, you know, where, where does that line uh, fall? And I don't know if we're meant to make that line, (laughs) you know, there's, Mm -hmm. there, there certainly are, there's enough testimony of people that say, I don't know why, but the Lord, you know, saved me from that time and, uh, uh, and, and, and must have a plan. And I think that's okay to have that in mind. Um, you know, what about the, your person next to you that did, you know, that it wasn't the same thing for them? Well, I think then the Lord still has everything in his keeping and everything in its time, that's a really hard thing to understand, you know, When, especially if you're going through the challenging seasons like that. Um, mm-hmm. But this psalm helps keep us grounded in faith, you know, to keep our eyes always fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And that's by not looking to where the danger is and looking at where our help is from. Uh, that's how we get through that. That's That's how we can be Peter walking on the water as opposed to Peter sinking beneath the waves.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. I think I mean the kind of that you know where is that line and, and I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. One of the the best places I think that that sort of faith is given voice to is in in the book of Daniel by the three young men who are going to be thrown into the fiery oh, furnace. Oh, yeah, you know where where they Nebuchadnezzar is threatening them and he says you know who's going to save you, and and they say to him you know we don't we don't need to give you answer. Our God is able to save us from this fiery furnace. He will deliver us out of your hand. And then they said, "But if not, be it known to you that we're not going to serve your gods." You know. So they yeah. they they've got this confidence. God's going to deliver us. The true God will. If we die in the fire, fi- so be it. We're we're going to hold tight to this one who is the true God. I I think that that's kind of the same thing. I think you were talking about.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that's an excellent example. Yeah, you know, yeah, that may happen, but
0: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's not
1: what we don't have our eyes on the fire. We have our eyes on the one who will deliver us.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah. And and not to none of this is to minimize that the Lord so often does actually provide physical protection in this life. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know how how often do we even fail to recognize it? And that you know, I think that leads us into the the next couple of verses where where the promise is given that he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. How often have the angels protected us in our ways, and we haven't even realized that that's what's been happening? So we, we should never minimize the physical protection, all the while recognizing that there is that still eternal protection that's even greater. But he is giving physical protection, and he does that through his angels.
1: Yeah, and and yeah, absolutely, there's times in our lives where we maybe should stop and say, wow, that could have been bad. <laughs> and then yeah, say right. thank you, Lord, <laughs> for and, uh, you know. And uh, there's one uh, church member uh, that uh, tells us you know nine eleven, uh, there was something that happened where he, he was one foot away from going into the trade tower that day, and uh, one of the ones that collapsed. And then just there was something that happened that turned him around, and uh, you know the the, the you know, and was just, just just able. He was able. Or no, he, I'm sorry. He saw the plane, and so. You know, was was know. one foot away, and then turned right around. You know, just wow. in the right place at the right time to get out of there. Um, and you you feel you know, that didn't happen to everybody, uh, and so that's a real that's a spiritually traumatic thing to live through. Uh, mm-hmm. But still, but at the same time, you give thanks to God for I don't Lord, thank you. I don't know why, but you know, and it was not my and you recognize that was not me, that was the Lord.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was the Lord sending his angels yeah. concerning you. This, I mean, this wonderful promise that's there in verses 11 and 12. And it is a wonderful promise, though perhaps when we hear it, the first thing we remember is <laughs> these are the words that the devil tried to quote against Jesus. Yeah. What was what was going on there in the temptation of the Lord that the devil made use of these?
1: Oh, he, well, in Jesus' response, you, you get it right there. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. He quoted Deuteronomy on that occasion and— uh you know so uh, yeah so, so we should also take that same tact you know that we don't we don't throw ourselves off of a building uh, in order to prove that the god's angels are watching out for us um yeah i'm sure if i you know if my guardian angel probably Gives uh, himself a facepalm every now and then for some of the stupidity that he has to see me in my life uh, do. So, uh, so no, don't put the Lord to the test. Luther says the same thing in that aforementioned treatise on uh, should you flee a deadly plague. Um, yeah. you know when, it, when people are telling you to fumigate your house, you should probably do that. You know, put, when you're they're telling you bury your dead outside of the city so that you know disease doesn't run rampant, then you should probably do that too. So don't don't say the Lord will protect me. It's okay. Um, and then you know ignore that that sort of thing. But the people that the Lord puts in your way in order to keep you safe. Well, you know that's a great reminder that our Lord does work through means, right? Not uh, not only the angels around us, but sometimes those those uh, saintly sisters and brothers who do help us and guide us, uh, and maybe help uh, keep us from doing stupid things, <laughs> occasionally. So yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. One of the as as you're talking here about the the work of the angels, it it strikes me that you know we. Again, and we are right to connect this to physical protection, certainly. But another way that the Lord does command his angels concerning us, in Luke 16, you have the angels who come and carry Lazarus when he dies Mm -hmm. to Abraham's side. I mean, so once again you see how both of these things are in view here in Psalm 91 and and again the devil misused these we should not put god to the test yet we should trust this promise and we should give thanks to that for this promise anytime we see it fulfilled and and that's probably more often than we realize yeah. that the lord is doing these things
1: yeah yeah uh, the healing too i so the the angels in the scriptures they have all different sorts of roles and uh, messenger is probably the most common that we see. Right. Um, you know, giving, and even when they're doing other things, they're usually giving a message, um, and 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 being God's representative, if you will. But there's so there's touching, touching uh, verses in in Matthew 18 um, uh, that I, I always took to heart. You know, and there's always uh, if if we lose a, long, a young one, it's always difficult to do and to go through that funeral liturgy. Uh, with the family, but I take that this is the one verse I, I tend to always go to in those those occasions, those very sad occasions, is that uh, the angels of these little ones always behold the face of my Father. Uh, so you know that the, the children are there as a special; they have a special role, they have a special place in the heart of our Savior. Um, so yeah, I was the, my oldest uh, sometimes you know, when she was very little, there, she would look out at the corner of the room and just start belly laughing for no reason. And in my mind, it may, may or may not be true, but in my imagination, that was her guardian angel just making faces at her. So <laughs>
0: as, the, as the psalm moves on then into verse 13. Now we've got lions and adders. Oh my! What's 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 the imagery there in verse thirteen? Well,
1: the serpent goes back to Genesis, right? You you're the seed of Eve, the offspring of evil. Crush the head of the serpent. Um, so the, the the every time you know we think of something bad, lions also are terrifying because they're so strong and fierce and you know almost uh, and so the lion and then we we up it with the young lion something young and hungry uh the adder you know and the and the serpent um but then not only treading stepping on them trample you know the trampling underfoot that's a that's complete and total victory uh you know that, that your foot you're using your enemies as your footstool if you will to use a different image that's there uh the, the complete and total protection on god's behalf uh but again the, you know the serpent you know thinking uh, and and even even though god is uh um sometimes he, you know the lion of judah we have the lion as uh the the terrifying voice of god uh, and God, you know, uh, uh, being uh, the, the strongest and most powerful. But um, in the New Testament, it's interesting that, the, you know, the, the devil ro- roams around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Uh, so both the lion and the serpent being uh, devil images also or images of evil. Right.
0: Well, and I mean, I think this, when I think of Psalm 91, I, I often think of the the feast of St. Michael and all angels ah, yeah. because of what it says about angels. And and then also this verse and the connections you're making too, then to what the Lord does to the evil angels, to Satan and his demons. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm reminded of another text that's that shows up on St. Michael's is that in Luke 10, where Jesus talks you know he says I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven and then he says behold I have given you authority yes. to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy right I mean there's that that promise Jesus makes that connection too and and as you said you know the connection from from Peter about the devil prowling around like a roaring lion I was reminded of of the language from Psalm 22 where where Christ on the cross is talking about the, his enemies opening their mouths like a ah, ravening and roaring lion also. Right. So, you know, that even the strongest enemy, he too is defeated because, again, the, the Lord is the refuge. That's where these things happen. This And it, it's striking because it says, you know, you will tread on the lion and the adder. Well, Well, how do you do that? only in the one who actually has has crushed the serpent underfoot as Genesis 3 has promised.
1: Yeah, yeah, that old dragon has a sword through his throat and that's not my that's that may yeah. be Michael's sword. <laughs> and that's a right, but, it, but but God gives the victory to us. That's right. That's right. Now, now
0: as we, we mentioned earlier, sometimes we have to be careful in the Psalms as to who is speaking to whom. So far, we've had primarily the psalmist speaking to to us as readers. Uh, also, the psalmist speaking to the Lord. But now, I think in verses fourteen to the end of the psalm, now I think we're getting God speaking to the one who
1: trusts in Him. Absolutely, yeah. The pronouns shift, and it's not the I of the beginning of the psalm, which I the the song leader. Uh, This is the eye that is uh, the royal eye, I suppose, (laughs) the Yahweh eye, uh, the Lord speaking to us.
0: Yeah, which, I mean, again, when you think about as we started this psalm, how there's this personal, you know, it goes from Mm. Almighty, Most High Almighty to the Lord, my God. Mm. Now this God who is my God, he speaks to me. So what does God have to say? What are the promises he makes to close out this psalm?
1: I. Counted them actually <laughs> was, uh, because there's, there's, uh, I mean, there's just so many you got you know, deliver, protect, answer, be with them in trouble, rescue, honor, satisfy with a long life, and show salvation. Uh, eight in total, uh, but the, I mean, they're, they're, they're and I, it's hard to see an escalation, but I think those ones at the very end, uh, are talking eternal life and salvation. Um, so really connecting to the work of Jesus on the cross for us,
0: yeah, so okay. I mean, over and over again, the Lord, I mean, just a string here of promises, yes. which maybe you know to to connect back to what we were talking about what Luther said about the pinions and the wings where where is all this protection to be found? It is to be found in the promises in the Word of God, which is how the psalm closes here,
1: indeed. And I mean, there are those other ways that God guides us and protects us through the community of right. saints around us, through our aforementioned angel friends, uh, you know, and and through many different means. But that's the that's the one that's the most sure. We know God is going to be there uh, because that's where His promise is, and that's what communicates that life that that. that uh, that Holy Spirit uh, inspired life uh, into our hearts, into our minds, and gives us the faith we need to stand during those those evils. But it's amazing that the the list of evils that we've seen so far in this psalm does not even compare to the list of blessings uh, that we have when the Lord is our refuge.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's very it's an overwhelming sense of protection here yet again at the end with all the, the enemies and evil that have been talked about that just the, the way the Psalm ends leaves you with the very clear impression that you are, you're safe here because of all these promises that God has made, which he will no doubt fulfill. And I think that, that then points us toward Christ. I mean, how do we, how we talked about how Christ you know, is attacked by the devil with words from the Psalm,
1: but how do we see Christ in this Psalm? Well, Christ is that refuge. He's the one that takes care of the devil and our sinful flesh and the world all around us. There's no spiritual danger or physical danger that can ever, well, what does Paul write in Romans, ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And Christ is that personal connection. Uh, We are meant to see in our mind's eye the nail scars on his hands, his side, his feet, and know how far our Lord would go into this kind of danger, uh, this kind of evil. He would go into the heart of evil itself uh, to have his heel bruised by the serpent uh, and, uh, and to take on all of that for you and for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's what makes the personal connection. You are mine. There's nothing that is going to, to, to take you out of my arms.
0: Mm, yeah well and, and just man I'm I appreciate you putting the image there of Christ on the cross I I'm almost surprised neither one of us said this when we were talking about the wings under the <laughs> wings you will find refuge I mean think about Christ's arms outstretched on the cross mm. and the the protection that's found there I mean you know like just the that image of him having his arms stretched out like a bird would have its wings stretched out I mean it's no it's not quite the same thing but it, there's there's something comforting about that image of finding, and we we talk this way sometimes about finding refuge at the cross. That that His outstretched arms, the love that He shows there, do provide a refuge for us.
1: Absolutely, that's uh, and that's it's it's not just invitation by His right arm. He has the strength to save us, uh, you know, and 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 with those arms gathers us in uh, to His love and, and eternal life.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. So with about a minute and a half here Pastor Jago, help us to to wrap things up on this wonderful psalm to hear the the good news, the promises of God that are ours in Psalm 91. Well, I
1: wonder how many listeners are hearing in their heads, he will lift them up on eagle's wings because the yeah. the words of this psalm are 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 united with those uh, with the chorus which comes from Isaiah, he uh, will lift them up on wings as eagles. Um and so we we have a never-ending supply, not only of protection, but uh, our Lord supplies just every one of our needs. Uh, there's nothing, not, I mean, that word nothing in Romans 8 uh, really comes to play. There's nothing that we need fear, but there's everything to be gained uh, when we put our faith, our trust in God, when the Spirit gives us that faith to cling to our Lord's promises. Isaac Watson paraphrasing uh, this psalm, as he did with a lot of psalms, uh, writes: "Those that on earth, for the last verse, those that on earth my name have known, I'll honor them. In heaven, there my salvation shall be shown, and endless life be given." He doesn't mention the name of Jesus in that particular one. He does in a lot of other of his paraphrases, but it, uh, but we we definitely see Jesus guiding the angels, guiding the soul. Uh, To Abram's bosom uh, when it's time to go home, and the salvation shown uh, when we see the nail scarred hands inviting us into the heavenly mansions.
0: Pastor Andrew Jago is pastor at Bethany Lutheran Church in Alexandria, Virginia, helping us today with Psalm 91. Pastor Jago, thanks for being our guest
1: today. It was my pleasure. Thank you.
0: The Lord lifts you up he sends his angels to guard you in all your ways he makes powerful promises in psalm 91 he is your refuge now in physical ways and eternally he will take you home to himself i am your host here on sharper iron pastor timothy apple of grace lutheran church in smithville texas thanks for spending the morning with us talk to you again tomorrow